Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the statesman, nope, kingsman to my statesman, <laughs> Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. How's it going, Matt? Uh, I was about to say you sound full of coffee beans, but I'm not so sure after that. But uh, um, yes, my friend, I'm I'm doing well. I've had a I say a busy day. I've had the last two days off work because I worked <clears> the weekend. So um, had a few bits on yesterday. Today went to the geek shop and bought some geeky toys and some Blu-rays. So um, I treated myself. So there you go. I'm doing pretty good. Um, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I am all right. Um, been a good uh, couple days at work. I started uh, with my first year students. We started watching Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Yes. Which is a movie I'm a big fan of, but I also I love introducing it to students because it's such a great gateway into film nerdiness. Because it's, you know, they have you seen the movie? I have, yes. So, like, you know, they make they remake uh, classics. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of the Criterion Collection is like their, their uh, framing. So a lot of the students aren't familiar with those movies as their first year in a film class. Um, and the characters are so accessible and they're so, I wouldn't say they're real because they're maybe a little too intelligent, a little yeah. too, uh, but at the same time, like, especially Earl, um, he's got such a natural vibe with how he tells like his jokes land and the way he uses curse words that my students <laughs> always get a kick out of him. I bet. I bet. And, uh, I think I know the the film is up and down. It obviously got a lot of love at Sundance when it when it premiered, and then it's been uh, almost to the level of Boondock Saints hatred from film critics and such. Uh, um, as like you know, the, I always hear it tossed around like, oh, you know, uh, other movies have done it better. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but if you're trying to get students to look at film in a different way than they're used to watching, like a blockbuster film, I think Mineral is a great entry point. Um, and so far, like we're only 40 minutes in the movie, but like when I, when I pause a movie and the collective room goes, Oh, I know (laughs) know it's a good joke. Exactly. Um, so I was, you know, did that. And then, um, my film two kids, we started East side sushi, uh, today, which is a film that a lot of people don't know about. Um, I think it's underappreciated, especially as a food film. I think it's one of the the best because I love sushi and the sushi in this movie looks amazing. Um, it features really solid lead performances. It has, it teeters towards melodrama. I think there's at least two scenes in the movie that, that lean towards like the TV lifetime kind of after school special vibe, but they, it, it just manages to curb that off and it's be like a really, really good indie film, um, which we're doing a series with this class. We're watching East side sushi followed by Minari and followed by, uh, the farewell. Um, so all kind of fish out of water stories, uh, you know, um, from a foreign perspective, which is one of the big things of why we picked this route and they're tasked now with, uh, writing their own, like kind of fish out of water story, somebody nice. in a position that they didn't expect, um, which they know right now. So like they have three movies worth of watching, uh, to start kind of planning and mapping out their own character story, um, that they will pitch to their group and then the group will pick which one they want to really focus on. And then we'll try to make our own. Um, Bro, so it's, the Minari in the farewell. Yes. Uh, I yes. Know, right? Come on. <laughs> Good show. Um, have you seen Eastside? Uh, uh, no. I I don't know if it is in the UK. On In the US, it's on Prime right now. And I, I recommend it, listeners. It's a very good movie. Um, it's very, like, chill. They're, the only, like, real super heightened moment of drama is early in the film as it sets kind of, like, the stage for our character to look for a... a uh, a change in her life. And it, again, it teeters towards a little bit of melodrama there, but it, it, 
I think it does a good job of veering veering away from it. Um, which not to say melodrama is bad, but you know sometimes it it can feel over the top, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and sometimes that just yes. doesn't sit well. But I think this movie does a good job of of balancing it out in the end. Um, but yeah, that so like school's been good. Basically, is what I'm saying. The kids are are vibing with the movies and. Uh, we're we're about to end our first nine weeks, so it's you know we're at that time where like grades are are getting due and stuff like that. So it's, imagine uh, it's having John Burke as a teacher. How cool would that be? Your JB teaching <laughs> your film. How cool would that be? You're very lucky, students. Uh, man, you know they 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 make me feel that way sometimes. Like they, you know, there's a few of them who really seem to uh, admire um, what what I do, uh, or at least at least my passion. I think that's what they yeah. really latch onto. Is like I don't hide how much I love talking about movies and showing them movies and introducing them to films. Um, and that's been a, a blast. Uh, I know like on Friday I, I mentioned, um, I, I, it, I always encourage them to do the 31 days of horror and yeah. or Halloween or whatever. Um, so like I have a little calendar on my wall. I, I don't know if I sent you the picture or not of that, but um, I, I picked 31 movies and I did alphabetical, right? Like, so each yes, one, you did. Yep. I was yeah. very impressed by that as well. Um, so I, I did, uh, I went over that with them, and then I was mentioning that uh, Corey and I are on Movie Club were doing creature features this month because every yeah. October we've always done Halloween stuff. And um, they were like, they they a bunch of them asked if they could take out their phones to down to like subscribe to the podcast. And I was like, oh, I don't want to like force you guys, <laughs> but I also do this other podcast. Like I was trying not to like over pitch <laughs> them, but I was like, I was shocked that they even cared that I'm like, I was I was actually like trying to stop them. I'm like, do you really want to listen to me more? Like you already have to listen to me like three hours a week. Like, yeah, but I mean, by, by all means, download if you want to. But I mean, we yeah. also talk weekly about the new. Re- and if you want movie history, I've got another one as well. I mean, yeah, by all means, was- I'm not going to force you to, but go on. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it was it was fun. And if you are one of my students listening, thank you. Um, you know, I appreciate the support because uh, you know this does. I leave work and come straight to this uh, on Tuesdays, and then I leave yeah. this and go straight back to a different, similar but different job. So it's it's Tuesdays are long uh, and uh, sometimes exhausting. But I'm 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 sipping on a Celsius energy drink and uh, talking movies. In fact, listeners, I think it's time we shift into our topic for the week. Um, yeah. We have some bad news. We were supposed to be reviewing Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which I was able to see, but poor Matt <sighs> over there in the UK suffering uh, the Bond fever. Um, Bond scared the crap out of Venom enough that they moved back two weeks the UK release date, and so Matt was not even able to see. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a matter of Matt not wanting to. Oh, damn, literally I could was not. really excited to watch Venom Let There Be Carnage, but yeah, I think it got moved really late on. I was saying to JB in the UK, uh, I found out just at the uh, beginning on early Saturday morning from my buddy told me. Uh, and it, it was just kind of like, well, maybe you should have made that decision a little bit earlier. You know, I get like, like we said off air, we get that Venom might look at Bond and think, you know, the Sony might look at uh, No Time to Die and think, yeah, okay. Certainly in the UK, we don't want to go up against that because it has blown the doors off the UK box office, No Time to Die. Uh, so mm-hmm. I get that. But, you know, maybe make that announcement a bit earlier because the bloody yeah. awesome movie podcast had already announced we were talking about it. So we are I mean, going to cover that at some point. Yeah, we will be covering Bond next week. Yes. Um, and I will give a uh, kind of overview of my thoughts on Venom in our media consumption segment today. And then when Matt has seen it, we will talk a little bit more detail. We'll do like a micro segment um, just to fulfill that. What we said we were going to do. It was an accident. Again, they literally changed it the day before. So we'd already announced on the podcast. We were doing Venom. Matt texts me 
there was a problem and I was worried. I thought something <laughs> yeah. had happened and then something had. <laughs> it but was yeah, huge, it was, John. It was huge. Yeah. So because we've got so many films coming out this month alone, I think it's probably best we do a mini review and then yeah. move on to another review because we've got Halloween, we've got the June, we've got the last duel, No Time to Die, uh, God knows what else coming out, just this uh, month. Last Night in Soho is last the big Last Night one in for Soho. Me. So, you know, cinema's back, baby. But uh, over here in the States, Venom has uh, broke the... the box office record during yes. the pandemic Huge um, so just like bond over there venom over here is crushing it but instead instead we're going to review a netflix original and a american remake the guilty <laughs> from 2021 um so if you haven't seen the guilty don't worry this is our spoiler free review but you'll want to watch it before our spoiler review drops on monday yes the guilty though is directed by antoine fuqua uh who i like some of his movies his uh, recent stuff has yeah. not been great yeah i agree with that uh, his older stuff i think was a little better and mm-hmm. then he's yeah uh we're seeing he's more of a journeyman than a than a auteur for sure um he he gets the job done but he definitely doesn't really seem to have a consistent voice anymore yeah, he hasn't got a signature um, to his work um he does seem to like working with gyllenhaal though because i forgot he directed southpaw which i've heard is good i've not seen um I uh, have bought that recently. To, to, I haven't watched it even. You know how much I love boxing films. Yeah, I, that's what I was about to say. You're yeah. a big, big that's fan the of boxing. One I haven't seen, and I, I, I picked up the Blu-ray for like fifty p, literally the uh, seventy-five cents every day. So uh, that's on the watch list. Well, this movie is written by. There's a few names here because there's this is a, again an American remake, but it's written by Nick Pozzolato, Pozzolati. Uh, Gustav Moller, which I actually do know how to say that name because I feel like I've read something from him before, and Emily Nygaard Albertson. Uh, sorry, there was a third name I had not realized was there. Um, the film stars, really? Jake Gyllenhaal. He yeah. is the the face uh, for 90% of this movie. There's a couple of other people who pop in and out visually, but most every other actor in this film is just a voice on a phone, uh, which there's some big names behind those voices, though. Riley Keough, <laughs> who I am a huge fan of Riley Keough. She's yep. been in some great stuff. Peter Sarsgaard always gives a performance. Uh, uh, Christina Vidal, Eli Gorey, and oh, Ethan Hawke, who just has a couple of moments. But man, I'm such an Ethan Hawke fan. Uh, Bill Burr's in the background as well, I heard. Yes. Yeah. Very noted. Couldn't, yeah. Couldn't not recognize his voice. Um, Paul Dano is also credited. I didn't realize who was Paul Dano though throughout no. the film. Like I, I never was able to place who it was. Um, Ethan Hawke, I was like pretty sure I knew, and then I was like I confirmed it. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's who I thought it was. Yeah. And then um, Keo is uh, really, really important and awesome yes. in this. Oh, yeah. uh, and I didn't. I don't know if Christina Vidal was the child on the phone or not, but I think that whoever they got to do the kid on the phone was tremendous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because asked a lot to do for a kid and man i thought they did a really good job um the synopsis on imdb is a demoted police officer assigned to a call dispatch desk is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman has a 71 rotten tomato critic score 63 meta score 6.3 imdb user score very rare for that to like sync up Mm -hmm. 63 6.3 and a 3.1 on letterbox again this is it released on netflix um the Dutch version, which came out in 2018, is on Hulu here in the States. I have not got to watch it yet. I, I was it's Danish. I really Is it Danish? I'm I think so it's sorry. Danish. I'd like you to try and repeat what the Danish version of the film's called. It's uh, on in the States it's called The Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> What's the, I didn't see the uh, the original it's uh, in, name. In where it's written by, it says Gustav Muller, based on the Mosin picture. Ah, uh, uh, is it Den Skyderditch? Yes, the one, yep, Den Skyderditch. <laughs> <laughs> Was I off? Is that not how you say it? <laughs> I have no idea how you say it. <laughs> so, so it's know. Danish, not Dutch. I apologize Danish. for that, listener. Um, I had, I had knew nothing of the original until this one. Yeah. Um, I, but two friends, Big Tuna included, and Mike, who used to do the top five movies with me, um, both immediately when I said I was watching this version were like, the Danish one is better. Um, although apparently I thought they said the Dutch one because I totally <laughs> said it. But um, I haven't w- got to watch it. Have you seen the original? I've never seen the original. I would never heard of it until this film came out. And if you just look, I think it has five stars on Letterboxd where this has three. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, apparently the other one. I don't know. I mean, because Gyllenhaal... Okay, so to the review. Um, this is, again, it's a it's 90% talking. It's mostly Gyllenhaal's face. Um, it kind of reminded me of the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie we reviewed last year where he was the pilot. Um, do you remember? It was uh, it was an Amazon Prime original. I can't remember. I can't remember what the name of the film was called. I can't either, but it, we watched it. It's a, <laughs> last year's a fever dream, but nevertheless, um, we did watch it. Uh, it's just... Gyllenhaal, like giving a, a great performance. I, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I think if mm-hmm. you are a fan of him, you will also enjoy this uh, to at least a degree. It's a very intense movie, and the character. I don't love the character because he's like really short fuse, and he does a lot of things that like. I actually have a graduate who's now a long time now been a friend who is a dispatcher. Yeah, and I, I immediately texted him when I saw what this movie was, and like five minutes in, I'm like, "Oh, that's not allowed. You can't do that. You can't." You know, <laughs> yeah. I was very like. None of his behavior, but he's not really a dispatcher. He's an officer who's been demoted. Yes. He's been desked uh, for the moment, basically. For reasons, yeah. For reasons that would be a spoiler, so we can't get into yeah. that. Uh, it's, it's definitely a late reveal. But um, I think the film is is pretty tense. Um, never as tense as I... I never felt as tense as I think I should have. Like, I was invested. I, I did care. But there were some things where it's maybe just the nature of uh, the, the setup or whatever, where you don't really, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And that helplessness never, I, I feel like I should feel helpless and I didn't. It was just like, yeah, okay, I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to continue watching. Um, I don't know. When I think of movies like Searching, yeah. um, where I'm like on the edge of my seat with anticipation and, and, and intrigue, I never quite had that level of in- investment in this movie. Um, but that's not to say this isn't a good movie. I just, I wish it would have been able to elevate to that level of, of suspense. And for some reason it just didn't, even though I think that's what it's going for. I mean, cause that's, he is, he's at that level. Like he's immediately he's like, wired. Yeah. He's so into it. And you know, that like he's sleep deprived and stuff like that, but um, yeah, he's, and he's quick to snap, but I, I did think it was a, a solid watch. It's like what, just 90 minutes. So it's like, yeah. it's a pretty, pretty easy watch. Um, Definitely could have. We've watched way worse Netflix originals in the last year. So, oh yes, I'm glad that we didn't get stuck with like oh, what's the Melissa McCarthy one that everyone's oh, kind of bad. The Starling. Yeah, I've I've heard mixed things from a few friends, but that one seems like a much tougher watch than this one. So I'm glad yeah. that this is the one we ended up uh, with instead of one of those. But what did you think? Yeah, of that? yeah I think um, 
uh, when I saw it was 90 minutes, I was like, oh, good. I don't know. Something about the premise of the film or the fact that it was a Netflix film. I was like, I don't really want to sit through two hours of a Netflix film. And of course, I will sit through anything for the BAMP. But when I saw it was 90 minutes, I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. But then I saw the cast. Again, I had no real clue about the Danish version of this film. Um, but I am aware that most of the original international versions are usually better than the Hollywood versions. Um, the only one I could think of that was half decent was Let the Right One In, the uh, Let the Chloe mm. Grace Moretz vampire film, which was uh, not as good as, but a, a worthy kind of remake of the Swedish, I think, the original. Um, showing my ignorance now. But no, I thought this film was all right. I, I quite liked it. I like the... I like an isolated thriller like this, but at the same time, I agree with you that I didn't really ever feel... I never really felt the tension of the situation. I felt the panic because Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is excellent. He really sells the panic of what's happened and that, you know, the urgency. But I never really felt the tension because, and I think for me, part of that is, you know, I didn't know who the people were on the other end of the phone. And whilst uh, Riley Keough and all and Christina Vidal, I think, give such very good performances, I have, I, I just didn't have the connection with them where I could, you know, I was like, I, you know, I, I understand something is wrong here, but, you know, and I hope it gets sorted out, but I didn't fully have that, um, tension connection, which I hoped to have got. But, uh, yeah, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal is, is really good. And in terms of his characterization, it all makes sense in the end. Like, like we said, no spoilers on this show, but it all makes sense in the end why he is like he is. But I can see why you would watch this and think, this guy's a bit of a douchebag, really. Um, yeah, and he, yeah. at one point, he even apologizes to his coworker for having been a pain for however long he's been like this for. So, um, even that was like not real. Like it's, you know what I'm saying? Like exactly. he's so bad. Yeah. It's, and even, yeah, even then it's like thrown off, but, and he's got problems with, uh, his ex-wife or wife and child. So, you know, they, they throw that angle in. I would really like to watch the original. Uh, by yeah. Gustav Muller, just to kind of get a uh, point of reference to this, because I've heard, also heard people saying that if you want to have a good time, watch the original. But to be fair, though, I didn't think this was a bad film. I think it's a really no. solid thriller. It's nothing special, but it's one of the better films I've seen from Netflix for a while, which you know, I don't know what that says. but And I think that's mainly powered by jake gillenhall you know he's a one-man band mm. in this film and he really sells it for me i think he's we all know what a good actor he is but i think he's he's very good keeping it because if again if, if if he isn't believable or if he's not great this film is an absolute bust so he had a lot on his shoulders and i, I think i think it's good i think i think i think it's perfectly fine i also know somebody who's a dispatcher and i'm going to speak to them and find out i'm going to tell them to watch this and tell me if this is what it's like in reality so it's, uh, I think, yeah, like I said, Anton, Antoine Fuqua doesn't really have a signature fingerprint he's left on this film or, or any in recent years. So, I mean, this could have been directed by me or you or anyone uh, when, when it comes down to it. But, you know, I, I, it's a very solid thriller with a very good idea. It's well executed in parts, but I just didn't get the time. I was just never thrilled or mm. strangled by the tension, like you said, which I think they were clearly going for but look I, I i think it's a good film i'd recommend it 90 minutes put it on on a friday night or a or one of these cold autumn fall evenings and i think you'll i think you'll enjoy it for 90 minutes because I, I did i did not like it i thought it was pretty good yeah and i i think it without spoiling anything i think it ends pretty strong um mm, mm. like you know it could have ended 
where you're just like not satisfied or whatever. But I thought it, I thought the ending landed um, and concluded well. Again, I, I don't know how uh, spot on this is. I think I've, I've heard it's pretty much a shot for shot um, remake in a lot of ways. So like I, I do, I really want to watch the other. Um, the reason I haven't is because it's Halloween time and I'm watching horror yeah, movies uh, when man. I'm not watching something for a podcast. So I've been um, like, I really, I also subtitles mean I have to give a hundred percent of my attention. Uh, and I haven't been able to do that. I've had so much work to do that. Like I, the only two movies that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to watch the movie are podcast movies that I have to then talk about. And I feel like yeah. an obligation to really watch it. But, um, subtitles require a hundred percent of my attention because mm-hmm. I can't, I won't know what's going on. Especially if, if this, if the other movie has as much talking as this one, which it has to, Given the nature of the you film. have to watch, don't you? I have to watch. Ends, yeah. So it's on the list. I'm hoping I can fit it in somewhere, especially because it is on Hulu, and who knows how long it will be on Hulu. Um, but I do want to check out the original as well. So, yep, thumbs up from me uh, again. Very solid. I, you know, I'd probably chuck it a seven out of ten. It's that kind of film for me. Yeah, yeah, a six or seven for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely in that wheelhouse. I had no major complaints. Um, yeah, I, and I guess the only if you don't like movies with a lot of talking, you could maybe find yourself bored, but I think it's, it, it has an, an energy to the dialogue. So I feel like it, it keeps the momentum moving and never feels slow or bogged down. Yeah. So yeah, listeners, uh, the guilty, a surprise review, but nevertheless, uh, we both enjoyed it. So we <laughs> recommend God. that you check it out. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> would have been really bad if we ended up with something. John, John would have divorced me. Well, you know, the thing is, I wish Guilty would have came out, like, I'm glad it, it came out when it did, because we needed it, but the, there was the week with Evan Hansen where we weren't really sure what we were going to review. <laughs> um, I'm glad we reviewed Cop Shop, but, like, I would have loved for the Guilty to have been that weekend when yeah, there was yeah. nothing, you know? Um, We'd rather have reviewed anything rather than Dear Evan Hansen, I think, by the sounds of it. Yeah, you know, neither of us have gone to see that yet, and nope. I don't it know that we next week. Ah, mine's, I, I, I would imagine mine will probably be out of theaters next week. Because, <laughs> um, you know, our theater seems to be uh, keeping less movies in-house and just having, like, them on multiple screens yeah. instead. And I, I'm pretty sure Evan Hansen's on the the chopping block because it cannot be doing well. But no. um, that said, let's get to our next segment, which is Chopped Headlines, movie and pop culture news that has caught our attention. Uh, Matt, what headline grabbed you this week? Well, winter is coming. It is still fall, but winter is coming. Kind of 200 years previous, prior to Game of Thrones. Um, House of the Dragon, the prequel to Game of Thrones, had a trailer released today with um, Matt Smith as Prince Daemon Targaryen. Uh, in this t- in this part of the timeline, the Targaryens sit on the Iron Throne. They've got an awful lot of dragons as well. You think Game of Thrones had dragons? House of the Dragon is going to have an awful lot of dragons. Um, so they released a uh, trailer, which was about a minute, 20 seconds long. And, you know, I think it had, it was Matt Smith uh, narrating, basically, you know, saying, oh, we're the Targaryens. We rule everything by dragons, not by dreams. And we, um, uh, we don't really get to see, we do get to see a few other people we get to see uh, King Viserys the first, but always great Paddy Constantine. So that's that was exciting, but uh, Emma Darcy is in there as well. Was uh, Princess Rhaenya Targaryen? Um, we got to see the Iron Throne looking a little bit different to what how we saw it in Game of Thrones. But um, I haven't seen the 
final season or two seasons actually of Game of Thrones. I fell off after season five, but I will go back and what now that I haven't got a wait week on week and any any kind of disappointment with the final season may be quashed by the fact that I can just binge straight through season six and seven. So I'm going to watch those, but um, oh, I know what the critical reaction to them was. So the eyes of getting more Game of Thrones is exciting. This trailer looked like Game of Thrones. I know that sounds daft, but it, it does feel like it's in the same world. George R. R. Martin is uh, helping to write this show. It's based on his uh, fire and blood novel. So, um, yeah, that dropped. Looks pretty good. It's coming out in 2022. Season one's going to have 10 episodes. And um, I wanted to know, JB, did you see it? And if you didn't, or even if you did, are you excited for the Game of Thrones prequel? So I did see it. A friend of mine texted me at like 640 this morning, or 540. I don't know. He texted me like right when it dropped, I guess, this morning. Um, and I, I kind of I kind of saw it. I actually kind of jumped through it because I was like, yeah, I don't want to watch a minute and 42 second trailer. Um I did hear that part though. The the we don't rule with dreams, we rule with dragons. I thought good line, good line. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I jumped off of the Game of Thrones bandwagon. I think after season six. Um, I don't want to say why, uh, but I was kind of like I was like, eh, you know what? I'm kind of done, and I've I've never gone back. Um, I yeah. didn't finish the last couple seasons, and I I don't really have a desire to. I liked it for a bit but it did feel draining to keep up with at some point i i I really feel like they stretched stuff out a lot like so like a lot like some things felt like they should have been resolved many many seasons before they get resolved um i i'm not super interested in jumping back into the world so i'm not you know i don't know to be fair matt and i both collectively don't do series we we like the single serving movie thing or (laughs) yeah I mean, obviously, we're both franchise committed. Uh, I'm heavy Marvel. You're heavy Star Wars. So it's not, obviously there are exceptions to that, but um, that's just it. There are those are the exceptions. The norm is I like to be able to watch something and walk away. And mm-hmm. Game of Thrones feels like a long term commitment. And if I get back into this, am I going to want to jump back into the other seasons? And I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, There's so point. many shows I want to watch, and I I haven't because I'm just like, man, I don't want to commit to it. Like I. I really can't wait to jump into Ted Lasso season two because it's, it's about to, the last episode is about to drop. Yes. But I'm also like, but when, when am I going to fit in 12 episodes of a, sh- of a series right now? And I, I don't know when I'm going to actually do it. I know I'm going to, cause I really liked the show. I was, a, I was one of the early people like shouting for everyone to watch you, Ted Lasso. You got me onto the idea of it. Yeah. And now it's like everywhere. And I'm, I'm a little like, Hey, you know what? Give me some recognition here, folks. I was right. But, um, Justice I, I don't for John. know. Yeah, I, I I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna currently not plan on watching it. If mm-hmm. if I decide I have to, maybe I will. But I I don't know. I think I'm good without the Game of Thrones thing. Yeah, that's fair, dudes. I will. Um, I'm I can't sit here and say with open uh with an open heart that I'm definitely going to watch it the day it comes out, the minute it comes out. But um, I I may wait to see if it gets really good reviews straight up. Then you know I'll sit down and watch it and see how it goes. But yeah, I. The fact that, like, like you, I just sort of fell off the Game of Thrones wagon. I was about to ask, did, where do you remember when you dropped off? Uh, end of season five. See, I was thinking I might have dropped off at the end of five, but I think I tried to go back to six, and after like an episode or two, I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. And I just, was, no, I, I think I, I just got that far, bro. But, uh, uh, but however, I really, really adored seasons one to four of Game of Thrones. Yeah, so I did too. If this can pick some of that up, then. I'll, I'll be in, you know, week, it doesn't matter if it's weekly. If it's as good as those four seasons, then damn, I'm in. But 
you know, I, you know, but there will be people out there who, who who will think that the final seasons of Game of Thrones were fantastic and you know more power respect. I, I I can only go by what I've heard, and I know I prefer those first four seasons to anything I saw after. So if House of the Dragon could be like those, then we're in for a pretty good show again, my friend. Yeah, my I mean, my wife is trying. Uh, we we used to watch Dexter together, mm-hmm, yeah. and the the new resurgence season or whatever we're calling this like continued saga or whatever is about to drop and we don't have showtime anymore but she's been kind of like hinting that maybe we should get showtime <laughs> and i was like but i don't i don't happy know if wife, i want to go back happy life the last season of dexter was so bad and happy i don't life. Wanna... happy life I, <laughs> I just try I, I don't think she remembers how bad the last season was and I'm, yeah, i yeah. keep trying to remind her but okay that is the game of thrones uh house <laughs> of the dragon trailer grab matt's attention um, and probably the world because people love GOT. Although it, if there's ever been a drop off of a series faster than the Game of Thrones finale, true. Um, it, it it seemed like people were just like, nope, doesn't exist. Never heard of it. What's Game yep. of Thrones? Um, I went with uh, this one. It was a fun headline to me. I saw eleven Halloween movies that aren't too scary to watch with your kids. No. While this is not a kids podcast per se, um. Matt and I are both parents. My my kid currently is 17, so no longer an issue. But I remember um, when we first decided to let her watch something scary, like we were afraid of like giving her something too scary and like yeah. causing nightmares. So we kind of dipped a toe in with uh, one of the movies on this list, actually. But um, given that it's Halloween spooky season and you might be trying to do 31 days of horror slash Halloween. And, uh, you know, some people don't love scary movies, but they love the atmosphere of the season. So some of these movies are a little more accessible. So I thought we would just go through the list real quick and give our own thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, One of their movies recommended is Coraline. Thumbs up. (laughs) Thumbs up for sure. Very scary at times though. I have to say like uh, the, the button eyes are creepy and quite horrifying. So for, for for younger kids, maybe, maybe put them onto some of the other things on this list. Right. Like, I don't know if Olivia would be okay with the button. No, I think, I don't think uh, there is one on this list, which we'll get to, which she knows all about. And I'm not entirely sure how, but, um, yeah, I don't think she'd like the button eyes. And then the witches from the original, not, not the one we reviewed on this podcast, uh, from Robert Zemeckis, but the one from 1990. Um, I've actually never seen this one, but I've seen the imagery of it and it's (laughs) quite terrifying. It is. Um, so I'm like, maybe, maybe this is too much for some kids, even though it is, it's a raw doll book and it is geared towards kids. It's also about kids being eaten by witches. So I don't know uh, when it's appropriate. It's one of those movies. that's hard to tell who's going to click with, but yeah, I, I have, I saw this film uh, when I was younger and it's, it's quite, it's weird because of the, the transformation scenes are pretty good. And they're also done effectively as well, like chillingly for, for young children, you know, as kids watching that, they are, it, it is quite a scary transformation and what the witches look like and what their grand plan is, is it is quite, I think it would be quite an effective horror film for, you know, the, the under 12 between kind of like the ages of seven to 12, maybe. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Um, we get goosebumps from 2015. <laughs> yeah. Very kid friendly. I think, uh, uh, all the goosebumps stories have been, that's their design for, I, I think this, I actually enjoyed this film. Same. I never saw the sequel. Ugh. Um, but I, I really like the first. I think Jack Black is. I, I'm a Jack Black fan, so I tend to to maybe be a little forgiving of even his not so great movies. But yep, yep. I like the for first Goosebumps. The second Goosebumps is alright, but the first Goosebumps was surprisingly pretty decent, actually. Um, yeah, and it had that kind of fun 
kind of vibe to it as well, more so than it anything did. else. Has like an adventure vibe. I think yeah. the the kid casting is really good because you have the the each kid has this uh, an archetype that really works. I think they're all doing a pretty good job. It's one of the better. Yeah. Um, is it's Dylan McDermott in that one? Uh, possibly the names for you know me and names. McDermott. I always mess that up. It's uh, man, what's the stupid kid's name? It's he's from the ten uh the thirteen reasons why I think um I always forget his name, but I, I he actually is good in this. He's not always good, but he's good in this. But he's pretty, but he's good in that. Uh, Dylan Minette. Minette, that's it. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Um, the Corpse Bride, uh, Tim Burton film. A lot of people hate on that movie. I actually, I, I liked it. I think it's, it's Tim Burton, isn't it? You, if you like Tim Burton for the most part, you're going to enjoy it. Uh, you know what you're going to get. And it's quirky, it's kooky, and uh, yeah, that's almost the Adams Family rhyme. But I think it's oh, yeah. okay. I think it's all right. Yeah, 1984's Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of a fan of this movie. Uh, maybe a little. Have you heard of it? Yeah, you know, I was two years old wow. when I saw this in the theater. It's the first movie I ever saw in yeah. the um, and it's it's remained one of my favorites uh, that whole time. I cannot wait for Afterlife um, oh, as a dude. result. So I, yeah. I've got some. I've got the four uh, originally OG Ghostbusters figures today. So I'm going to display oh, those loud and print. Now, now, now I've got a job and I've been paid and I have this, a little bit of money in my pocket. I've, I'm buying the good stuff. But um, yeah, my I'm daughter. This isn't the one, but my daughter. She knows the Ghostbusters sign. The you know the um, the no ghost symbol. I have no yes. idea why, because I never showed it to her, but she's like, oh, Ghostbusters! And it makes me very proud every time she shouts, Ghostbusters! Because I didn't show it to her. It's it's omnipresent, man. It's just, it's just there. Um, I've not seen the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad that I can recall. Uh, neither have I, so I can't comment on that one. I assume Ichabod is Ichabod Crane from uh, the Sleepy Hollow legend. Um it is. Uh, it's a retelling, a comic retelling of Washington Irvin's Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So, um, add in Mr. Toad, I guess, for good measure. 1949 as well with that film. RKO Radio Pictures, so, yeah. Old school. Um, Hocus Pocus is an obvious, I think, of a course. lot of people latch on to. I'm not a big fan of Hocus Pocus. Um, I like it, but I must admit, I have not seen this film for about, I generally think about 25 years now. A long time. Uh, as I'm sitting there thinking, is it 25 years? It's 30 years old now. But um, I haven't seen it for the longest time because my sister used to watch it all the time, at Halloween or not. And now it seems to me that it's had a resurgence in the last few years in popularity. So it's worth a rewatch I, this year. I always felt like the kid performances feel like a TV movie. Like I've never been able to get past those kids. Like even I when I was younger, younger man. I just was always like, this feels like a TV movie. It feels like a Nickelodeon, like, you know, special kind of thing, which is saying something because I loved, are you afraid of the dark? But I don't know. I just never really got into this. A lot of people love this. I'm sorry, listener. If you are entitled to love this, it just never clicked for me. Um, I also, I don't love a lot of witch stories. There's not a lot of witch based <laughs> movies that I really enjoy. I, I like the craft and I don't even know if I like the craft anymore. I liked it at the time. Um, mm, but, the, the love, Witch. I liked that from a few years ago. Um, I don't think I ever saw that. When I could, the only way I could think off the top of my head. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, of course, a classic can be Halloween or Christmas. Uh, love this movie. The songs are amazing. Um, you know, uh, Henry Selznick, which would go on to direct Coraline later on. Yeah. Um, and often confused as a Tim Burton movie, although, yes, it is a Tim Burton idea and script and uh, even character design to some degree. It is not his direction. No. Um, always worth reminding people. 
I think that's one of cinema's great misconceptions that Tim Burton directed The Nightmare Before Christmas. Because if you look at it, you might as well think he did. But uh, this is the yeah. film where my daughter knows the characters. You know, Jack Skellington and things like that. I w- we went to the Disney store uh, or somewhere that had Disney toys anyway uh, recently. And she's like, and she was talking to me about Jack Skellington, and you know, I, I I did the usual dad thing and didn't actually ask well, how did you find how do you know who that is. I was just more surprised. I knew who this strange looking fella was, but was also quite enamoured by them, thinking he looked pretty cu- cute. So um, this is that this is possibly one that I'd um, show her at some point. Yeah, I think this is a good one. I I don't remember for sure. I saw it in the theater, so I I must have been like same. Uh, I guess 11. I was 11 years old when I saw it. You were a couple years younger than me. Then. Oh, yes, I was. I was uh, two years younger. Um, next up, we're going to the Universal Monsters Frankenstein 1931, which is the nice. first movie, first quote-unquote horror movie I showed my daughter um, to kind of dip her wow. toes in the water. Um, not counting animated stuff. Cause I, I, to me, like an animated movie, uh, if she was a little older when she saw Coraline. Um, I don't remember for sure. I feel like Nightmare Before Christmas she might have saw a little younger than I was. I don't remember if she liked the first time or not, but Frankenstein was an early one. Um, I had borrowed my friend's DVD and uh, we liked it. She didn't find it scary, which yeah, same. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Coco. Interesting one. Not one that I initially would have thought of, but it definitely, it's, you know, um, the look of it. Imagery, and the, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely there. Um, and it deals with ghosts. So, I mean, you know, yeah, I, sp- I suppose they go to the, literally go to the land of the dead, don't they? So there's, yeah, there's that, but, um, yeah, it also, if you want to make a, a, a grown adult cry, yeah. Watch Coco with the kids. Yeah. Damn. Love Coco, but yeah, so many songs, uh, make me cry. I've never seen escape to Witch mountain, but that's a recommended one. The original, not the one with the rock. Uh, I want to watch Plus, it. It's one. Maybe I, maybe we should check out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I think know. So. I think so. Uh, but no, I'd like to watch that one. But um, there's a couple on that list which make me want to go back and watch. And I want to watch Hocus Pocus again, Skate to Witch Mountain, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I do actually fancy a rewatch of Coraline soon because I haven't seen that for a while. But uh, I've always I've always been a fan of that film. And I know it's pretty well um, established that most people like that film. But it's a rewatch. And what better time than spooky season, man? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've watched it twice. Um, uh, but both like in the last six years uh like those were my first two times i didn't see it when it came out because i was too cool to go watch a, a claymation movie um at the time which i've become a big Leica fan and I've, mm-hmm. I've remedied that i've seen all the Leica films at this point i think we've done maybe all but paranorman and kubo on the on movie club at this point because we we did Coraline was one of our early episodes um of movie club and then uh we did uh last year Last year we did uh, uh, Missing Link and um, uh, Box Trolls, and so I think we just haven't done Kubo and, and Paranorman, but we've seen all of those now. Yeah, so, Kubo, um, so good. I love Kubo. Kubo is my favorite uh, like yeah. that movie, but um, despite its problematic casting, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, that's that's our uh, chuff headline segment. We're going to move on to media consumption. These are movies, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, etc. Anything we use to pass the time between our episodes. Uh, Matt, start us off. What have you been consuming? Uh, I've been consuming uh, products in multiple formats this week, which is unlike me. Uh, I've been listening to the Rotten Tomatoes podcast. Rotten Tomatoes is wrong or Tomatoes is wrong. Uh, one of the recent episodes was on The Mummy, Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, um, <laughs> where they were discussing... 
whether they thought the critic score was uh, wrong, which I believe is like, uh, I think it may even be, if it's not rotten, it's not great, the critic score for The Mummy, um, which I'm going to check that in a minute. But they also did one on The Last Jedi recently. Uh, well, I say recently, it's a few months ago now, and that's always good for a discussion. It's always calm and non-divisive, obviously. Uh, of course it wasn't, but I was... Um, I listened to the first part yesterday and I listened to the second part today. Uh, but uh, I always enjoy hearing people's views on The Last Jedi because most of them are horribly wrong. But it's always interesting to hear people try to pretend it isn't anything other than a very, very good film. But um, yeah, I was in, uh, The Mummy is 61%. It's just teetering on yeah. on a fresh uh, score. So it's always nice to see some love as well for that film and Brendan Fraser. But I think the latest episode is about The Sopranos, which I haven't seen the Sopranos um, TV show anyway. I did, however, watch The Many Saints of Newark, the recently released film. Uh, it's theatres in the UK, HBO Max in the USA, you know, based on, but it's set before the, the Sopranos. So again, I haven't seen that show, so I went into it knowing who Tony Soprano was and his legacy. But wanted to, but basically going into this as a a mob film. This is a this is going to be a gangster flick of sorts, and I don't mind some of those. So let's see how it goes. And I thought the many saints of Newark was, it was all right. The many saints, sure. it was you know it's fine. Uh, uh, lots of people have told me that it's littered with Easter eggs for Sopranos fans, but at the same time, same as anything, Marvel, Star Wars, DC, whatever, Ghostbusters. You know, you can put as many Easter eggs in as you want. This film's still got to be good. And to me, it was fine. I think uh, Michael Gandolfini was really very good as the young Tony Soprano. And obviously, it goes without saying, but he is a spitting image of his father. You know, yeah. that is, he, I mean, he could obviously, it's spot on casting, but that's spotty on casting because he's got the quirks and the ticks of his father as well. Um, Alessandro Nivola was really good as well. I think everyone was good. And they, they, they captured the period setting well. Uh, Ray Liotta was very good in the dual role as well, but it just didn't, you know, there was, there was too much going on. There were too many narratives being forced together. Plus the tagline is who made Tony Soprano. Uh, and I was like, well, I expected maybe a bit more of Tony Soprano being made. And maybe we didn't get that in this film, but uh, more, I'm interested to see what Sopranos fans think. I think by the sounds of it, some really like it. Others think it's f- perfectly fine, but um, so many things are Newark. It's so it's all right. Uh, I also I went back and watched Luca Pixar's Luca. I haven't seen that. I missed it when it came out in uh, June or July, and I thought this again similar. I told John as well. Two and two two films in two days, but with Luca, I also thought you know even 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 from the might of Pixar, it was just like aggressively fine. <laughs> you know, it was a good animated <laughs> film, but it it didn't have that Pixar spark even though it had the Pixar formula. it But th- this felt a bit, I don't know. They went really small with this one. It's basically about a bike race in a nutshell. Yeah. But it there was something missing. The characters are fine, but it just didn't feel, first it just didn't feel like a Pixar film. It felt like it could have come from any studio. And, you know, when Pixar are on a hot streak, you know, there's nothing they can't do, but every studio is allowed a bump. And for me, Luca was that. I didn't, you know, I was, it's only an hour and 35 minutes, I think, but, Dan was like struggling to to keep me to keep my attention during it. It really wasn't doing it for me. But um, you know, Luca is a miss for me from the studio. Um, we are going to be doing the 
latest episode of movie astrology soon it's been a few months since the last one but life uh gets in the way so we're going to be getting on with that one and i've watched two films for that and i've only got a few more to watch i watched charade with uh audrey hepburn and i also and this is this is my dedication to john burke and movie astrology and the bamp my dedication to burke i watched cleopatra it's on disney plus it's about four days long but I watched yeah. the damn thing. It's four hours and eleven minutes long. But to be fair, there are literally like literal like interludes in it where the f- nothing happens for like five minutes. It, we're like they're kind of um, uh, replicating being in a theatre watching it. So you just fast forward to those bits. It's still about nine on four hours long. Uh, so I'll give my thoughts on the four-hour epic of Cleopatra when we do that episode. But I'm only just getting over it. And uh, again, no spoilers, no nothing, but I watched No Time to Die last week. I'm not sure if I mentioned that last week or not, but I think I saw it after we recorded the episode. So I saw No Time to Die. We're going to be covering that next week. All I'll say about the film is I thought it was very good. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what JB has to say about the entirety of the film. Um, I Because I know a lot, of people, a lot of people have got criticisms of parts throughout the film or just a film in general. Uh, but for the most part, people seem to really like it. Uh, so I'm really excited to hear what JB thinks about it next week. And uh, we're talking about not being streamers and streaming fans. I'm not, but I was coerced into watching Midnight Mass on Netflix, partly because um, there's a thirst campaign on Twitter for Rahul Kohli. <laughs> Everyone loves Rahul. He's a handsome man. But um, a lot of my friends had seen it and said, you know, this is very much something you will enjoy. So over the weekend, I took the plunge. I watched all seven episodes of Midnight Mass. Um, again, hearing the hype for it was off the scale, and I thought it was really good. Mike Flanagan directs it. Starting to think maybe he's very good at TV. Because I think he's a good film director. Oculus, Gerald's Game, uh, Hush, Doctor Sleep, all really good films. But he's also excelling on the long form of Blind Manor, Haunted House, Hill House, whatever it's called, and Midnight Mass that. now. So, um, yeah. He's... St- putting himself out there as a, a horror director writer to be to be watched and midnight mass is very good lots of great performances in it so kate Sigo really good some really good performances throughout this and uh, if you're a fan of mike flanagan's previous work or, or horror kind of small town slow burn horror uh, i think you're really going to enjoy this i did as well there were moments that where yeah, it switches from one extreme to the other like that and it catches you off guard, and damn, there's one moment in it where it, I was stunned. So, Midnight Mass, uh, I, I don't want to say believe the hype, because I don't like getting on board hype trains, but lots of people are saying it's very good. I also thought it was pretty damn good as well, so if you've got a spare six hours, check it out. But uh, that's me for the week, JB. What about yourself? Well, um, I wanted to watch Midnight Mass, but again, series, I, I was like, no, I don't have time. So, um, I'm continuing the John Carpenter blank check series we just had the uh, big trouble in little china episode drop um which i'm a huge fan of that movie yeah uh, they so. got uh jason mansukas and paul Shear, uh who they host the um uh how did this get made podcast together they're the guests for this episode so it's nice. really it's a really great episode if you're a fan of blank check you know that they are very tangential anyways this is a lot of tangents Three hours long, almost of an episode. <laughs> well That's worth the time if you're a three fan. Three episodes of, the show. of Midnight Mass. Yes, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> um, 
And then uh, they are doing, uh, interestingly enough, on their Patreon, where they're doing the mummies. Uh, so we just <laughs> got the mummy, and then we got mummy return. So it's funny that uh, the Rotten Tomatoes just did the mummy. Yes. Um, but uh, I'm a big fan of, of both the mummy, and even though mummy returns is arguably not great, I still enjoy watching that one. Yeah. Um, then uh, move uh, show wise, I watched. Uh, I caught up with What If and What We Do in the Shadows, the two series that I am watching, kind of as they release. Mm-hmm. Um, I was several days behind What If, and I had it kind of spoiled. But man, if you haven't been watching What If, uh, it, <clears throat> it this last episode basically demands that everybody who likes MCU has to watch uh, the the whole series because it definitely, definitely is relevant to what's happening with the movies. Uh, okay. So. Uh, Highly recommend if you haven't been watching it that you get on board, Matt. Um, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then, uh, oh, sorry, how long are the episodes of What If? Are they twenty minutes? I, I think they're closer to thirty. Uh, okay. And I, they do vary as a lot of the streaming services do. They don't. It's not the exact length every episode because they're not filling a time slot like on traditional TV. Yep. Um, okay. There's a couple episodes that definitely feel longer. This last episode, I, I would have liked a few more minutes even, honestly. I was like, uh, I don't feel like I want it to stop yet. Please keep going. <laughs> yeah. oh. I'll check it out. I will actually watch it. What we do in the shadows, folks. Watch this show. It is one of the funniest shows on TV. It is consistent. It's so great. Every episode kind of builds in fun ways or references back to something. It's just so good. I can't stress enough how great it is. Uh, movie-wise, um, I mentioned Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Matt, do you think I liked it or do you think I disliked it? Uh, remind me, uh, in, in, in a word, did you like the first film? I apparently, in, in time, have liked it more than I did. I actually had a look at my review for the first film, and I gave it my uh, basically the equivalent of like a two-star. It's closer yep. to like two-and-a-half star, um, because I like Tom Hardy, and uh, I like the dynamic of Venom. I think, I think you really did quite like Venom, too. Nope, hate it. Um, <laughs> Damn it! Uh... I, I I hate strong. I was watching it and was actually a little bored. Um, okay, and this is not minutes two. It, it is. Uh, I think the movie suffers um, from the sequel thing, where you ignore the character growth from the first film and you start back at the square one, because the resolution that I feel happened in the first movie is just kind of ignored, and the and Eddie Brock starts off still in bad situation, like with his life. And Venom and him are still fighting. And I feel I'm like, that was the plot of the first movie. Isn't he supposed to be fighting Carnage in this movie? And I feel like the way Carnage plays into this movie is not great. I don't think it's done well. I think the there's a lot of like silly comic book, like campy comic book, early Marvel movie stuff in this. Like early Marvel, I'm not talking Iron Man past. I'm saying like Blade, uh, Fantastic Four, oh, that kind of vibe. Um, and, um, I think there's some good in it. I still think Hardy's tr- doing the stuff that if you really liked the first one, I think it's there. Yep. It just, to me felt like it's the same. And I want, I want my characters to develop and not just do the same thing necessarily. And I, I just found it, I found it a little tedious at times. Um, there's yeah. also a character in the movie that I really, I, I was like, man, I don't know what they're doing with this. Um, <laughs> I, I, my review just dropped on BurkeReviews.com, though, so if you want more information on my thoughts, still spoiler-free, uh, check out that. But uh, I've got to ask um, you a question, John. Uh, yes. Again, we don't do spoilers on the BAMP, and also, for me, I, I can't have it spoiled because I've managed to avoid it, but there's a post credit scene in Venom, 
Apparently, it's mind-blowing. It will melt your face. Your trousers and pants will fall off or underwear just by watching it. And is it as good as I've been promised? Is it as mind-blowing? Um, I don't... Mm, I think it's... it's. I think what it does is mind-blowing. I think Ooh. itself, like the scene itself, I don't think is is that great. Um, I you okay. know it's, it's it's important. I think it's like hey, but as far as like how it plays out and stuff, meh. Okay. But, um, but I think there's an important element to it. I just think again, it's just not like the scene itself is very basic and mundane. Yeah. But what it implies is big. Okay. Fair deuce. Um. So stay through the credits. Uh, my theater has gotten like they're they must not get the memo that every comic book <laughs> movie has. They turned the light on like before the scene got there. You don't turn the light on in a comic and book. And I'm film. like, I, like they they quickly turned it back off. So they realized, but I think they turned the light on, saw that there was like a theater full of people, and they turned it back off. But I'm just like, what are you doing? Like it's a comic book movie. You this isn't the first showing. This is three days into the movie that I'm sitting here and it's like the third screening that day. There's yep. no way you don't know there's a scene coming. Like stop. Um sorry, that's the second time that theater has done that. They did the same thing with Shang Chi. And I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> Turn it's, the lights off. Yeah. It's a rookie um, mistake and more. Yeah. But so other movies I've watched this week, I watched In the Mouth of Madness, the John Carpenter film. Um you ever seen that? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Sam I think it's kind of cool. The very uh, Stephen King kind of riff uh, happening there. Um, I watched, rewatched Psycho Gorman, but this is because of Movie Club is our uh, episode for the week. Corey has not seen it, um, as of my knowledge, at least. Um, I like that movie. I find it a lot of fun. Mm. Um, Matt didn't. I uh, wasn't a fan, as much of a fan as you. Didn't Straight down the middle, five out of ten for me, I think. Man, um, I, I wouldn't put it much higher than that, to be fair. Like, I just, I find it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, Village of the Damned, yeah. uh, another John Carpenter film. Because, again, I'm getting, I'm checking off horror movies, but also checking off uh, Blank Check upcoming episodes. Um, and I have not seen Village of the Damned. Uh, d- dude, okay, so I'm watching it, and I'm like, hey, it's Superman. And I'm like, hey, it's Kirsten Alley. And then I didn't, somehow I didn't catch Mark Hamill at first. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, hold on, was that Mark Hamill? Yeah. And I was like, sure is. It's Mark Hamill's the priest in this movie. So that, that was shocking. Uh, Superman and Luke Skywalker in the same movie. Um, and also, uh, it was weird because I'm like watching this. I'm like, it's 95. Christopher Reeves isn't paralyzed yet. And he would be paralyzed in 95. Not long after, uh, yeah. And so I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Um, and then I read the story about like his accident. I mean, I was alive and, and very much aware of the accident. But yeah. I had not like read of like how bad the accident was that he was in like the the horse accident man just reading it like i was so uncomfortable i was like oh man um and then here's the catch here's the catcher man i was sure i'm still not 100 percent sure that i had watched a nightmare on elm street before like the original <laughs> oh yeah it appears that maybe i had not uh i've definitely Damn. seen the big scenes from that movie um but i i, I did not remember it becoming home alone which, to be fair, it did Home Alone <laughs> before Home Alone. Uh, yep. But, like, the the ending sequence is Home Alone, and I was, like, shook. I'm like, what? Trapped um, Freddy Krueger in the real world, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it's – so I watched the first one, and I watched the second one last night. Oh, damn. Um, I definitely yeah. had never seen the second one. I'm, I'm going to watch all seven uh, because I, I'm sure I've not seen three, four, or five. I'm pretty sure I've seen six. I've definitely seen seven. Seven was the first horror movie I saw in theaters by myself. Yep. Um, it's, the, it's the best – 
horror is the best horror franchise for me because I've said before, yes, some of the films aren't the best. However, you can tell it's all part of one coherent story. The further down yeah. the line you get, it still connects back to the first film and that. So they don't just become, they don't go to space or they don't go yeah. to Manhattan or anything I, like that. Or, or I, yeah, I gotta say, man, I, I, I'm not loving them. Um, no, like, well, the second one is the second one's very odd. That the second one is like the black sheep of the franchise. There's well, um because what I don't like in the real world. What I don't like though is it feels like like well that's just it. Freddy is a dream monster, but in the first movie, a lot of the stuff he does is just chase them and tackle them. And I'm like, you're a dream monster. Why are you chasing them at all? Like you don't need to chase them. Like he's literally ch- like, there are scenes of him just running yeah, and tackling right. people. <laughs> yeah. And, and then they're like wrestling around. I'm like, I am so much more afraid of Mike Myers or Jason. And I, I can see what you're saying about the, the cohesive story yeah, with like Friday the 13th goes off the rails. Dude. Sure. Halloween goes off the rails too, but they're, they're retconning that one. At least, you know, yes. they're trying to, um, but I find the the stalking and movement of Jason and Mike Myers to be much more terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I know Freddie leans into the humor, um, especially I, I believe like in the later movies, he becomes more of a comedian. Um, but there's stuff in the movies that I'm just like, I'm like, that's it's it just feels like no, I hear you, dude. the first um, film holds up to a point. The second one is the black sheep. Uh, and there's, and then there's also, it's also controversy around the, the cl- clear like homoeroticism in the film, which they try yeah. to suppress horribly. And then it's come out since that uh, it was, you know, the Mark Patton, who is a star was told, you know, just basically he wasn't told that his character was meant to be gay. And then he was told to act homosexual and, but then don't, you don't want to do too much because you don't want to alienate. You know, Mark, Mark Patton is a gay man. And he was being told it was really, mm. really strange. But the third one, it may be, I think the third film is my favorite, Dream Warriors. Okay. Um, I'm going to – I do I have them one. all. I am going to be trying to watch them through definitely throughout this month. But I'm going to try – I actually want to just knock them out like as quick as possible. Yeah, no, no. Um, they've all some, got good ideas in them. So the execution isn't always that. great, but they've all got really good ideas. And it's the most inventive franchise. You know, the kills are the most inventive of any franchise in horror for me. Two of the kills in um, the first uh, movie are amazing, though, like visuals. Like, you're, yeah. you can never forget the girl on the ceiling and then Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Um, yeah, just crazy. And it is uh, uh, the one thing, though, Friday the 13th and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you have Kevin Bacon and Johnny Depp. I think that's kind of crazy uh, that you have true. these two, like, you know, heartthrob kind of actors at that's that really age kind of thing. And Nightmare um, also pushed the boundaries for special effect, practical effects and body horror oh. at the time as well. So interested for your Good thoughts going forward. I, I am looking forward to finishing it off um, again. I really was sure I'd seen the first one and I guess I just have know enough about it that it was mm-hmm. like in my brain through osmosis. Cause I, after watching, I'm like, there's no way I've seen this in its entirety. There's just no way. Cause I yeah. would remember the sledgehammer hitting uh, Freddie. Um, <laughs> that said, that's basically our episode, folks. But in order to continue to do this podcast, Matt and I have to do a little something extra each week to make sure we're staying bloody awesome. So, Matt, I ask you, sir, how are you staying bloody awesome this week? I am staying bloody awesome in the most bloody awesome of ways because finally, The Rock has. Oh, no, wrong show. Finally, I've managed to get a second coronavirus injection. I've been waiting for this for. A couple of months now, and it, uh, the two times oh, I've had it play, um, had it in, I've had to 
isolated, so I haven't been able to go out and have it done. So I finally got it done this week. Um, and I've also managed to eschew any kind of uh, side effects of the of the jab as well, other than the standard kind of numb arm. Uh, I've been fine this morning. I felt a little bit ropey. I felt, oh no, I was going to feel, is this the start of it? Like very good bit, I felt a bit drained, but no, no side effects whatsoever. Uh, I, I haven't died. There's no bleach in it or whatever the crap people peddle about these things. It's entirely, entirely safe. Go and get a vac. Go and get vaccinated for the good of your friends, family, and the world. Um, so yeah, I'm staying bloody awesome by getting vaccinated. And now I can go out in public with a COVID pass, and I am now one of the one of the clean, one of the disinfected of the world. Well, I, not to show you up, man. Uh, this isn't my uh, bloody awesome, but I got my third shot. You got a booster. Um, I got. I'm. I assume I have to be one of the early uh, booster op- opportunities because you have mm-hmm. to have six months, and I literally. Mine was six months and one day yeah. after I got my second shot. And uh, because I am a teacher, I am eligible uh, for the additional booster shot. Um, at least that's according to the CDC here in the States. That was one of the uh, um, criteria. So I, I got mine on Saturday morning. Um, my arm hurt more this time than the previous two. Um, but otherwise, yeah, no side effects. I, I think I had a little headache um, on Sunday. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that we're saying uh, we're saying vaxxed, my friend. Yeah. Well, they gave it to you six months and a day because they know the importance you have and hold in keeping Florida safe. So, uh, yes, I was slightly worried about having the side effects and being knocked out for a day or two. But no, I've been yeah. out and about fully today. N- nothing whatsoever. Same. So uh, hopefully anybody who has their second also has no side effects, too. But yeah, and that's how I've been standing bloody awesome, bro. And I could have went with the same thing, but instead... Uh, opted for pumpkin consumption. Yeah. Um, everything pumpkin, man, has been coming to me uh, in multiple ways. Um, my awesome coworker who has started a coffee shop on campus um, has pumpkin bread on the yeah. menu right now, and it's been fantastic. Uh, I've had not I, earlier. I, I mentioned getting a Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin donut, but I've had uh, Edmonton's, like the ones you buy pre-made pumpkin donuts. Yeah. We had Krispy Kreme bought from a box at our local grocery store pumpkin donuts delicious uh, my wife and i used to eat these pumpkin rolls back in the day and i hadn't had one for a couple of years but i did have a piece um it's basically a pumpkin bread rolled up like a cinnamon roll with uh like buttercream icing um delicious and oh. well i don't often partake in beer you i have had two different pumpkin brews nice <laughs> both have been delicious i need and, to get uh, to the states for full next year oh the plan is before that of course but dude i need to i need to indulge in this good stuff with you fall 2022 will be a season long remembered because i'm coming over there and we're trying yes. all of this stuff i, I am as bruise. well yeah, yeah um pumpkin stuff uh abundant and i i love it um i i'm such a fan of the pumpkin flavor stuff i don't go super crazy because there is some like there's pumpkin flavor everything now <laughs> um i i tend to stay with coffee and or uh pastries of some kind um but yeah i i do like a good pumpkin flavor anything um yes. it seems so um that's what we've been doing to stay bloody awesome uh that's our episode folks we will be back next week with our review of no time to die. It's dropping here in the States this week. I can't wait to see it. Matt's already seen it, but we'll be talking about it in full unless the States decide to push it back <laughs> because of some reason. Of venom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to follow <laughs> Venom's uh, huge box office, but well, now that I've heard you hate it, they, they're going to be f- frothing at the mouth to get this out now. 
So that said, we're looking forward to talking about it. I am very hopeful because, again, the odd number Bond films from Craig have been great. So I'm hoping that <laughs> stays true. true. Um, but in the meantime, folks, you can follow us on social media. Uh, on Instagram, we are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod, assuming it's still functioning. <laughs> uh, Matt, where are we on Twitter? Twitter always functions at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And then, uh, again, just like Instagram, if Facebook is up and thriving, you can search us at Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Um, apparently, the Zucks need some extra bucks uh, <laughs> after the shutdown. So um, we can follow us individually at BurkeReviews.com for me. And on all social media, it's just simply at BurkeReviews. And Matt? Uh, uk, And just search for what I watch tonight across all the socials and letterboxed. And you'll find me there. And if you like what we're doing here at Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a minute on whatever podcast catcher you use to rate and review the show. It helps other listeners find us. And with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Awesome!